was just so involved with all this civic work and saving, uh, you know, restoring waterways and cleaning up toxic waste dumps. I was the toxic warrior. It was something I worked so hard at. And, and over the years, I kind of I kind of lost the passion for that. And it wasn't until I had this experience that, that Kathy really reignited that passion to save the world. And you really can, because I almost thought it was a futile effort, but no, no, now's our chance to rise with all this stuff that's going on. If you're a spiritual person, show that ethics and spirituality have a place in this world. It's not a sacrifice, it's an asset. Ethics and the spirit is an asset. You'll find it, you'll manifest, um, it's a law of attraction. Be an ethical person. Be a spiritual person. You'll attract that in your life. Be a person of thought, but be a person of action. And that's what Kathy rekindled in me, is that desire to really make a difference in this world. And uh, mm-hmm. and gosh, I wake up every day and that's next to being happy that Kathy's besides me. That's That gives me a fire to get going every day. <laughs> that's so sweet. You got to accentuate the positive. I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? If you feel like that's what you want to do. Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. So great to be with you again. And please remember, if you're loving the conversations on ATP Media, please like and subscribe and share them with your friends. I have an amazing man to introduce you to today. Some of you, I'm sure, have already met him. His name is Stephen Webber. Welcome to the show. Satnam, thank you so much for having me and sharing me with your audience. It's just an honor to be here. Satnam. Uh, Stephen has been through the most amazing uh, transformation. And even your Satnam, uh, I, I was reading your book. Obviously, he's a, he has had an amazing NDE experience. And, and he sent me the audio version of his book, which was great, because that's the best way I love to read books. And I was listening to it until the wee hours of the morning last night and laughing at the part where you talk about if the guy you were, I don't know, <laughs> eight years ago met the guy you are today, <laughs> would think he was what did you say they give him a butt whooping <laughs> <laughs> you know what out of it and that's so true because that I, it has been a transformation and uh and a transformation that kind of took me kicking and screaming all the way but uh but i know but but, but wow it, i'm just so thrilled and happy and uh it's been a quite a journey but uh it's but been a it. huge journey and it's been a huge journey in a very short period of time. And just the fact that you said Satnam, I'm thinking of the old you that would probably go, Sat, what? What the hell is <laughs> yeah. this guy on about? <laughs> Take you on your lychee beans and get out of here. <laughs> anyway, let me read your bio. Uh, we were going to speak to Kathy, your wife uh, and partner and soulmate and, and partner in, in heaven, I should say, but she is at work today, so she's not here. Uh, but I'll re- we'll, we'll talk about her um, part, her experiences. So Stephen Weber 
had an incredible near-death experience during a three-week coma after a motorbike accident in April 2015. He travelled to another place or three other places in this dimension where life made more sense. On the outside, Steve was in a hospital bed, but on the inside, he was in a place he calls the place between here and there. It was a place where time did not exist, where people were spirits and where he learned the wisdom of the universe, which he had to learn to live when he returned to his physical body. Steve is a technology project manager and Catherine, his partner, Catherine Plant, is a childcare worker and Reiki practitioner. They live in Northport, Long Island, New York, where he says it's freezing right now. Here am I in the beautiful <laughs> summer. I'm hot, having <laughs> sweating <laughs> with their precious pups, Marius, a Rottweiler, and Bandit, an Australian Shepherd. Yes, he is. He's a, he's a, he's a handful. <laughs> I bet. I bet they both are. Steve and Kathy host successful workshops on the place between here and there, uh, accompanied by music and meditation and gongs. You should check out his Facebook page. I might put the photograph up. I'll steal it off your post. Looking at your beautiful healing room with all those gongs. Oh, I love the gongs. I anyway. Love it. They also share their spiritual enthusiasm by hosting kirtan, full moon ceremonies, sound healing, and guided meditation with friends. Steve and Kathy have chronicled their experiences from each of their perspectives in their wonderful book called The Place Between Here and There. Okay, so before we get into your story, I'm just going to read out some pearls that I wrote down last night. And then we'll get into them a bit later. I just love this. Life, earth life, is a difficult existence, but it is the place where soul growth happens most rapidly. I loved that. We choose to come to earth to have soul growth and enlightenment. All life experience is an opportunity for soul growth. Everything we do has a dual meaning. One relates to our existence on the physical level, and another relates to our existence on a spiritual level. Life is multi-layered. Some things we think are too difficult to bear, yet on a soul level, these things are the very reason our souls came to earth. Therefore, we cannot have animosity for those we think do us harm or challenge us because this can teach us the most valuable lessons in our lives and has been usually has been set up to give us opportunity for more growth. Holding on to animosity in any way towards ourselves or others causes blockage in our spiritual body or energy bodies, which inhibits this growth and contributes to dis-ease in our mind, body and soul. Each experience, good or bad, is an opportunity for soul growth. There is both a purpose and a meaning to everything that happens to us in this physical incarnation oh, makes me want to cry pearls there were just some pearls I took out of the book oh, I loved it oh that's beautiful I, I I'm gonna go now I, I think you covered it all <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's see oh, what happened beautiful. though I I this your story is amazing we won't get too much into the gory details obviously you're you had a bike accident mm -hmm. let's take it from there what happened 
Well, I was uh, I live on Long Island. It's it's an area right outside New York City. It's a it's a suburban area. And I was going to the east of Long Island on my Harley. I've driven Harleys all my life for the Sunday afternoon. And then I was uh, I was going home. The road was backed up for miles. And so people start to go on the shoulder of the road to make a right-hand turn up ahead to get out of all the traffic. So after watching many cars go by, I did the very same thing, very foolishly. And uh, then as soon as I got to an, uh, the intersection, someone let uh, someone coming in the opposite direction make a left-hand turn and went crashing right into the side of me. I was hit broadside, T-boned by a very large uh, SUV, and uh, the lights went out. It was, uh, I didn't know what had happened to me. It was, um, I, one thing is I realized is that the next time I was awake, I was on the, I was face up on the ground and looking around and all the emergency workers, I realized like today was gonna be like no other day ever again. Um, I was very lucky because there was a, there was a schoolyard next spot, uh, next, right next to the accident. And so they could actually land a helicopter there. And so they flew a helicopter out, picked me up in the helicopter and brought me to Stony Brook Hospital, one of the most premier trauma centers in the world. This is a teaching university hospital. I got, wow, I got the very best care there is on this planet by the very best caring people. It was just amazing. And uh, anywhere else, I, I really believe I would be in spirit right now. And, um, and then they, they worked hard to put me back together. I had a broken spine. They had to stabilize it by putting steel rods in my spine, my shattered hip. They had to reconstruct it with several pins, rods, and screws. I had a compound fracture of my leg, uh, internal injuries that were immediately life-threatening. They had to operate several times. After they got me stabilized, they got me in my hospital bed. And for the next three weeks, I was in a coma. I was on the verge of life and death because there were so many things that came up that were just such close calls. Like, like if it just would have went the other way, if somebody wasn't there or somebody didn't easily have gone the other way. And uh, for three months, I laid there in that coma. And to the world, I was in a coma, but inside myself, I was in the place between here and there. Something just, just, it was the most amazing soul growthing experience that one could ever experience. You said in the book that when you were on the road, you, you did leave your body for a moment and traveled like you were witnessing yourself from above, right? Yes, but, but, but when I was describing it in the book, when I was going through the experience, I, I didn't know I was in a helicopter at first. I was just flying through the clouds and I thought, obviously what I, what, what I thought, and then, and then as time went, went, went on and I started to see other things, I started to realize I was in a helicopter. The whole thing was just a surreal experience. Yeah. Yeah. Flying through the air and, and yeah. feeling your body raised. But, uh, but, but, but no, no, in a short period of time, I realized I wasn't descending. I was just in a helicopter. And, uh, but wow, that was the beginning of truly a real spiritual journey that had nothing to do with the helicopter. Oh, okay. So um, it sounds like you're kind of in and out, in and out, uh, in and out. And it's, yeah, as you say, it's a blur. So when you, I think that you said that you, 
when you were over in this place between here and there, you kind of didn't realize that it was even different to earth. So I was going to ask a question. When did you realize that you weren't on earth anymore? But I don't know if you did. So take us to that moment where you're, you're not in hospital at the crash scene, you're in another environment. What's the first thing you remember? Well, um, the first things I remember is that I was in a work-like setting. It was no different than my regular life. I'm a computer guy. And so it was very similar to a work-like setting. And, uh, and it was here where I learned, I went through three very, very enlightening events. The first thing is that I was, I was taught the language of the universe, which I call syncing with the Akashic record, sharing what the things that I have learned in my life and receiving that wisdom from the universe. Once I have gone through, through this, this sinking of the Akashic record, the next thing that happened to me is I had a life review, but the life review was very intense because that not only did I live it once and have the wisdom from experiencing it once, but now I had the wisdom from the universe. And so I would go through my entire life review and I'd learned so much. And by the end of the life review, I was so blissful. I really was because the, the, the knowledge and the awareness just brings you bliss. I would go through and I would do the, the, um, the uh, life review again. I kept on doing that over and over and over again. Not that there was a consciousness beyond me that was saying, Stevie, it's time to do it again. It was that the need, the fact that I was learning each time drove the process. So, um, so after I was taught the language of the universe, the second step was that I, I, uh, I had my life review and I learned all I could have from my life review. Then I was given a test. I was given a test based upon the things I had learned to determine where, where I'm going next, where my next step in the spiritual evolution is, whether I was to stay in spirit forever or for a short, for a period of time, or I was to return back to earth. So those were what, what were the main points that I learned in that beautiful place. But when I first got there was, was when they were teaching me to sync with the Akashic record. So I want to talk about that process a little bit because it's a very, you know, I didn't know it at first. It wasn't until I learned more about the experience afterwards that I started to put the pieces together. But at first I was taught to see spirit. And, and what I mean is that is that it's not someone sat down and said, okay, Stevie, this is how you see spirit. Uh, number one, you, no, no, it wasn't like that. It was that they appealed to my internal teacher inside of me. Like, like in Kundalini, we say, Om Namo Gurudev Namo. Om Namo Gurudev Namo. That means I bow to the internal teacher inside of you because that's the real teacher. So the way they taught me to see spirit was like this, is that I was in a work-like setting and then I saw people from my regular work and nothing seemed different at all. I interacted with them and, and nothing out of the ordinary. Then I started to see people who I haven't seen in years. But something about them is they didn't change at all. They looked exactly the way I remember them, although 20 years have gone by or 30 years or have you. And then as time went, went, went on, I started to see people who I knew now as teenagers I start to see them as elderly people. And then people I knew as elderly, I would see them as young people. People who I knew 20 years ago and I haven't seen since, I would see them the way they must appear now. I was shown men who I remember as men, I saw them as women and women as men and 
tall people and short people and 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 uh, European Americans and Asian Americans and just all different types of people. And over time, is that I was able to recognize them over, regardless of what form they 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 took, regardless of it. And after a while, as I didn't even have to look at them anymore, I could just feel their presence. And what I taught was how to see spirit, that part of you which is always in spirit, that always was and always will be and grows and develops over time. And so, and so that was the first thing that, that the sinking of the Akashic record. It wasn't that all, all of a sudden I was reading a book, oh, Akashic record number one. Oh, yeah. that's that. No, it was that I was being taught through my experiences and turning on my internal teacher. Oh, I just want to. I just want to pause here for a minute. Uh, so you were being taught to recognize their soul identity and not their incarnation identity. So as humans, I look at you and I see your physical form and I identify you as this body and this personality that I'm experiencing. But where you were on that in that realm, you were being taught to recognize the essence or the soul signature. It's been given many names. Do you do that on earth now? Like, can you do that? Like when you look at someone, can you kind of recognize their soul signature and not get deluded by the, by the masks that we wear, like the physical? Yeah. I want to expand upon that. And I want to share that with, with you, but, but the way that you explain it, is very accurate. You know, the way you, 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 what you just said really captures the essence of, of what it's all about. It's about seeing that spirit. And that was so important to being uh, taught that. So now when I walk around my life, this is so important. This is one of the gifts, the beautiful gifts that, that, that as a result now, but it's nothing special about Stevie Weber about this. Everybody has this, everybody does. And uh, so, so, I, I could ignore everything around me and just go through my life, absolutely. But, but I could also see things like, I can't tell person's experiences, but I could tell where they are, like their level of awareness, like where they are, how they see things. Some people I could read very easily. Some people are very tough. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult. It, you know, it's difficult to say. Some people just grab me out of a crowd and, and, and you'll feel the energy. But, but where that's very important, that like in my life, where I use that the most, but besides being with friends and sometimes I'll, I'll let friends pull crystals and I'll, and I'll feel certain energy and I'll share it with, with, with I'll share it with them. But uh, really is that I use it in my life, you know, in business is that the two things that I learned in that place was ethics and intuition. Both of those things are, are such great assets. A lot of times people look at those things as liabilities. So now when I'm in a business meeting and I'm interacting with, with, with people, I'm drawing on the spirit because I'm trying to read everybody in that room to get an idea of where they're coming from, not to take advantage of them because that would be foolish of me because that I will have less energy, less out of that interaction as opposed to really understanding where everybody is and why 
they're here and the way that they see things and how to reach them so I could arrive at a, just a beautiful win-win situation that, that has maximum benefit for everybody. And so that's why the spirit world is so influential, not only in the there mode, but in the here mode. So yeah. the long answer to your very short question is <laughs> yes, I could feel spirit, and uh, but everyone can feel spirit. I'm just a lot more open to it now than I used to. Yeah, such a gift. You know, a couple of things. Uh, you said that you, when you had your life review, you went over it, like you just didn't go through it once. You just kept going over it and over again. I've always thought that the opportunity to go through a life review while we're still in our physical bodies is such a beautiful thing to do. Like uh, I had a friend that turned 60 last year and we did something like that in a ceremony under a tree in the park and big, beautiful park here in the city and went through each stages of and reviewed each stages of her life the good the bad and the ugly it was just it's such a beautiful thing that we can do while we're here we don't have to die to do it and um, all that stuff that you're, you're experiencing we can do here right and I think you're bringing that wisdom here okay so moving on uh you were taught to identify like soul soul stamps or soul essences what 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 else happened what next the next very important thing is that once I felt spirit in the people that I saw, I started to feel spirit in everything. Like everything has a spirit, regardless, it's plants and animals and trees and rocks and planets and the stars and the universe. Everything has a spirit because now I could feel it. Now, once I've come to that conclusion that everything has a spirit, we're all part of the same spirit. We are, we're all like cells in a body, like, like, like each one of the cells in your body make up you. Each one has its own life, its own, its own living and eating and reproducing, but they all make up you and your consciousness. They have no idea of you. And that's the same way that our spirits are. Our spirits are all together as one. We are all unique parts of it. And all of our spirits make up what I believe is the consciousness of the creator. The creator and the creation are one. There are not two. God isn't around looking and peeking into your life when they say God is everywhere. God is everywhere because that everything, your God, we're God, everything around us, we're all part of the creator. The creator and the creation are one. You have a value to yourself, but you also have a value to all that is. And by learning and growing yourself as your own spirit, you increase the awareness of everything and that includes the creator. You know, uh, in the book, you were talking about when you came back into your physical life and you knew everything was spirit or everything was conscious, you found it difficult to eat. Like even a plant, is. you, you said that you found it difficult to sort of eat consciousness or a spirit. And then you said something really interesting, which has been confirmed by a few people that I've spoken with and that fish were okay. Like you said, when you started eating again, you wanted to be a vegan, even though you didn't know what a vegan was, but you, you could eat fish, but you were like, what did you learn about fish? And I'll tell you some of what I've heard. Sure. Um, what it is, is that, is that when, when deciding like, I, you're right, I said I couldn't eat spirit and I really couldn't. I was really starving myself for a long time. So I just, I just couldn't bring myself to eat. And uh, I, you know, I had to work it through in my mind because that, you know, really, you can't be all spirit here because you're meant to have an earthly incarnation. Spirits don't need to eat. You need to eat. 
but, but, but you can't be all monkey minded. A monkey will do anything. They don't care about anything. And it's where along that continuum you're going to be. You don't, you don't want to be all monkey minded and you can't be all spirit minded. So where in that continuum, you, you know, really do you fall in after really soul searching and living through it for the last five years and coming to certain, uh, certain realizations, I've come to the realization for myself is that, uh, is that plants, I eat primarily plants and occasionally I eat fish. And uh, because that, that you have a, that, that there's a part in your spiritual evolution where you're mostly learning like, like the basics of, of incarnation, like, like eating and sleeping and fighting and all the things as you're, as you're growing through different animals and plants. And it's not until the point I believe is that when you start caring for others, like you start caring for your children as a species, that, that, that really you've now stepped over that zone from being all root orientated to start to develop your crown type of a, a, a spiritual awakening. And so that's for me is the dividing line. If, if something takes care of their children, I'm not gonna eat it, I'm not, I just, I just don't feel it. And so, and so when, when it comes to things like fish, and like seafood, they, they they don't they don't have that caring, and uh, and so that's uh, that's the world according to Stevie. A world according to Stevie. Uh, my second husband was a vegetarian, uh, very strict vegetarian. He was um, a practicing Hare Krishna at the time, which they don't eat any uh, meat. And he used to say nothing with a face or nothing no. with. <laughs> he'd say, "I don't eat anything with a face or anything with parents." He would say, and then I would say, "What about oysters? No face, no parents." And he'd go. Mm. But, you know, okay, so here's what I heard. Uh, I had Sue Walker on the show who speaks to a group of extraterrestrials who have a station under the Sandia Mountain. I know this sounds a bit off topic, but we were talking about uh, because they're more highly involved beings um, that are actually physically here on Earth, um, what they eat. So they still, they eat and um, they call themselves humanoids, even though they look more like greys. They said, well, they're Pesherians, they eat fish but they don't eat anything that's sentient. And um, she was asking about octopus and they said, no, we don't eat octopus because it's sentient. And then, and then she said, well, aren't fish sentient? And they said, no, fish are a different idea. So that's the way they explained it. And then I heard somebody else talk about fish were provided as food for earth. And so the idea was that fish were provided as a food source um bias by the spiritual plan and and it's really been interesting to sort of hear this um this information coming out of all these different sources about fish because <laughs> i was a vegetarian for years and then uh with my husband and then one day after about four years of being with him i just said i'm just craving fish i have to start eating fish again i'm sorry but this is how it is for me and um so I go off and on. And I know a lot of people feel like they, they can't eat any sort of flesh because my, of this idea of sentience. Yeah, go on, Steve. My, uh, my Kathy, my co-author, um, she, she puts it very simple. You know, she, she usually cuts through the BS. Stephen could talk for hours. She, she gets very short. She says, Jesus ate fish. That's good enough. Jesus ate fish. It's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she, it's pretty straightforward for her. Yeah. Anyway, that's a long conversation. We could talk about that all day, but I won't go there. Okay. So what happened next? Where are we in your story? Okay. Um, learning. So, so you're learning, you're in this work environment and you're learning. And then, and then what happens is that I, uh, 
I have my, uh, I learn uh, the language of the universe. I sync with the Akashic record. And then I have my life review. And, uh, and you had mentioned about having a life review through while you're on earth. That is very important because that's another really important thing that I took back from me is the ability to reevaluate my life. It, it, it's not like it's a new skill. It's that, you know, a lot of times when you face the things you're awful at and, and things that, that you, you know, you have to do some soul searching. And even now, whenever I find something in myself that needs improvement, I always say, what an awesome opportunity for improvement. Like, like it gives me an opportunity to really get better. I mean, when my, when my significant, when my love Kathy points those things out to me, it, it takes a little adjusting, but, but, but either way is that, is that no, no, it really to reevaluate it. Like picture getting bitten by a dog when, when you're 17, seven years old, you may be afraid of dogs all your life, but you re, if you reevaluate that experience with the wisdom of say a middle-aged person, you may decide that, well, I could tell the difference between an angry dog and threatening dog and a peaceful dog. And so really that's, that's a type of evaluation you can and really can do in your own life, especially I found for me with the aid of yoga and meditation, it can really, really help open that door to enable you to, uh, to do that. So that life review was, was, was so important because I learned so much, but really what I learned there is that I was a voyeur with what happened. You know, I couldn't change the circumstances, but now, now I could see spirit. And so now every, everything that happened, I could see the spirit in everybody around me at the time. And now I came to realizations that what I thought was going on had nothing to do with what's going on. Everybody had their own physical reason for being there and spiritual reason for being there. There's more than one reason why thing is usually a physical and a spiritual reason. And so now all of a sudden I saw the way that, that the universe works and the way people learn and the way that they see. And, and, and to me, like if I was having a fight on a school ground, you know, I thought I was the right person, but the person I fought was thinking that they were the right person. And, you know, there's so many different ways of looking at it. And it really, really opened my eyes to, to really all the things. So now I learned so much more out of each experience. And that is priceless. You know what I loved too, that you said in the book was even the really mundane things are priceless like we kind of forget that washing the dishes or doing the laundry or just the stuff that is just part of mundane life even that stuff is priceless like this the little things you saw on the other side how it all had purpose and meaning do you want to ex expand on that a bit well well there was comfort in that there was but but as part of that experience of things that really oh the heart-wrenching, the soul-wrenching things in life were the things in the life review were the most blissful that I learned the most from. No, no, they were everything. It was so difficult. And that kind of got my, my mental attitude, like I'm ready for it. I'm ready to learn because I know I'll feel great at the end, but I know there might be a tough ride between here and then, you know, when I do the life review, you know, I knew this was going to be a tough day, but by the end of the day, I was going to feel great. But I, all the, the terrible things in your life, those are the ones you really learned the most from. You really did because you had to face a lot of things. And, uh, and after going through that, 
I learned one other important thing that you mentioned in the lead-in is that some of those worst experiences, how could I have hate or animosity towards anyone who brought me those experiences, considering what, how much it meant as part of your life review, those experiences were priceless, is that don't allow people to do bad things to you. Even when, when, when you're cognizant of it on your life plane on earthly existence, don't let, bad don't let people do bad things to you. But when it does happen, find the wisdom in it, find the lesson in it here, run it through your mind, try not to have hatred or animosity towards them or yourself because it creates blockages. It, it prevents you from learning from it because you're so wrapped up in the betrayal or so wrapped up in the nerve of somebody that, that you miss the meaning, find the meaning in it. Don't be blinded by hate or animosity or jealousy or shame for yourself. That, that's one of the worst things. People carry shame all their lives. No, find the beauty in it. Find the learning experience. I know it sounds very Pollyanna when bad things are happening. Oh, just look on the positive. No, rise above it. Fight with it. Deal with it. It's a process. When all said and done, when you have a time to reflect upon it, especially later in life, if you can't address it then, find the beauty in it. Let the anger go. You'll find bliss. I promise, at least in Stevie's world. Stevie's world sounds like a pretty awesome world. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, something I've just been experiencing recently, uh, when you just get so uh, stubborn and fixed on your point of view, it keeps you stuck in a story that is just hurting you. It's not hurting someone else, you know, like, this person has done me wrong and I hate you. I never want to speak to you again. And, and yeah, we're just looking through a very small window, aren't we, Steve? The window of our story. And obviously when you're dead, but we don't have to die, you get this broader perspective, this higher view. You can see the tapestry instead of the strings of the, the threads of the tapestry. So true. You understand. Thank you. That's beautiful. <laughs> okay. So where are we next? What other, so you said that you had three places. You were in this place between here and there, but you had three places that you visited. One was the work environment where you thought you were at work and the life review. What was the other one? Um, the work and the life review were all in the first one. Place. Okay. The, the second place was, was now I was being tested on my knowledge and what I had been learned and where, where I'm going to be, where, what's, what's my immediate future? Am I gonna stay in spirit, return to my human body or perhaps have a, incar a human incarnation very quickly? And, but I didn't know this at the time. This is something that, I, that I've come to the understanding later on. Yeah. But um, I was put in this work-like setting where I was put in charge of a group of, uh, of young adults and I was to teach them a task. And, uh, and so as I interacted with them is that they wouldn't listen to me, is that no matter, I would feel like I would connect to them like on a soul level and I would say, I'd lay out our plan and as soon as they were given their instructions, they would run off and then they would come back and they would be all sorry and, and I would think like I was reaching them all over again and they learned no matter what I did, I couldn't get them to listen to me. I tried all the little different manipulation tactics you do in life. I tried bribery. I tried, I tried all different types of postures 
and nothing would, 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 would work. And so finally, I, I spoke to the, to the person in charge who was in charge of, of the kids and everything and the, my higher up. And, and I stood before them. I didn't talk to them, but I became aware that they were my higher self. And, and, and I felt their awareness and I felt like I couldn't tell what they've been through, but I, could, I got a piece of how they saw things. And then when I saw the kids now, uh-uh, I didn't see it. They weren't kids. They were, they were spirits yet to have a human incarnation. And I was there to guide them, to prepare them for the human incarnation. And what I did is I failed. I failed miserably because that I only saw them as kids. I didn't look for their spirit. That's why when, when you said, Steve, do you look for spirit now? I say, yes, yes, I do because I saw them just as kids. I didn't see their spirit. And if I would have saw their spirit, they spent all this time teaching me about seeing spirit, you know, the creator and the creation are one and all these wonderful spiritual things. Stevie's so spiritually involved in everything. And his first opportunity to use that, I blew it because, because that I didn't see it. And, and now that, that my spirit guide, my higher self, showed me I was able to relate to them because then I started to tune into their spirit with the skills that I've now learned in that other place. And I was successfully able to help these, these young adults go into a human incarnation. And that taught me so many things, not the least of which is, is your, your, your spirit is always here, but it grows and develops over time. That's why you may be incarnated as a plant or an animal because you're going through these stages for the spiritual evolution. And so now these children were now, they were spiritual children. Now they're ready for that next spiritual step to go into human incarnation. And, uh, and that was the second place. Wow. Okay. Um, so you saw them as kids. When you say kids, not little children. So young adults, like what, young 20? Adults. 18, yeah. 19 yeah. or something when, like that. When you're middle-aged, anyone... I know, I know. <laughs> but remember, there might be someone who's, who's 20 that's watching this and goes, children, right, five-year-olds, kids. Anyway, uh, um, but it's, it's interesting. Uh, look, a couple of things. Uh, the fact that you failed on the other side or in that place between here and there to see the spirit... Uh, means that you're so much more diligent where you are now to see the spirit. Like, so that had a purpose and a reason for your physical incarnation too, right? And uh, I think that, you know, you say in the book and, and, and many people discuss that there is no beginning and end. There is no time. So how can there be young and old souls? Uh, do you want to try and address that question like well i could i i could give you my my, my opinion but uh -huh. it wouldn't be based upon my experience in the place between here and there and so when, when i feel energy i don't feel like old and so it's just a complete awareness and so um so i i i could speculate but uh but but there are so many people who are so wise and have studied this for years and years and like yourself and my full experience with the spirit realm was in this experience Prior to this, I was a zero on the 
spirituality scale. I was a hot wing eating, bike riding, beer drinking, you know, uh, dirt talking, you know, I had nothing to do with spirituality. So, yeah. so, so when I, when, when I speak upon these things, I kind of limited it to, to my experience because that there's so many people who study this and are so skilled. And, and so, uh, yeah, you know, I, I know what you mean by old souls, but, but I didn't have at least, at least who knows in a few years, I may come to a realization, but, but, but right now I would leave that to them. So when you experienced these kids um, and they were inexperienced, they were only inexperienced in earth life. So they weren't inexperienced as in spiritual life. They were only inexperienced in earth, earth life. Like human. They needed to be taught or prepared to incarnate into density. So you were being given... Uh, a challenge to sort of try and prepare them. Am I getting this right? Is that? Yes, yes. But, but, but I'd like to put a little finer point on it, if I okay. may, is that, um, is that they've had many incarnations, but not as a human. Right. They have yeah. incarnation as animals and plants and as part of the all that, that that is. And so that's an ascension of spiritual development. And now through all their incarnations, now their, their level has brought them the need to have that next level. And so hum humanity is that, at least on many levels, is that next greater level to really feel spiritual awareness and really began to take it to the next step in incarnated step to really develop your spirit even further. And yeah. so is that chaos, is that the same way that your spirit goes through these steps after you die to return to spirit? Mm -hmm. I, From what I learned there and mentoring these kids is that is that your spirit also has to be prepared for a human incarnation Absolutely. it's like a briefing and debriefing coming and going i know yeah. it sounds silly but 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 it really is that's that's if i was to surmise it that's it you know i think that uh there's a lot of argument out there in spiritual circles about who's higher the human or the animal the animal's more connected to god and the human's less connected or you know there's sort of discussion but i think when we look at it in the way that you're discussing it it's like an animal life is an easier life because, or a rock life or a plant life, because we don't have the human ego to deal with. And so we, we maintain that connection to our source more than um, a human does because we have this beautiful thing called ego and free will and we can think in ways that pinch us off from uh, the love that we are. And so there needs, and so the difficultness in the life denotes it as, being more evolved because it's harder. It's a bit like university. Like university is diff more difficult than high school and and junior school. So it's not higher or lower. It's just the more difficult, the more challenging. It's more of a challenge, right? It's the evolution of the spirit. Yeah, yeah. It's a greater challenge. Yeah. Okay. So that was the third place. The second place. What was the third place? Okay. So now what, what happened was in, in the first place is, is after I had my life review and syncing with the Akashic record, what the reason why I went from one place to the, to, to the second place where I was with the kids was, wasn't that there was a consciousness above me, at least I didn't get that feeling saying Stevie's time to go on. It was like the need drove the process. So once I stopped learning there is, is I reviewed my life review so many times, I stopped learning. Then I went to the test. Once I've completed the, the test, successfully transitioned those kids, but I did have help. I wasn't ready to do it on my own. Then the final place is that 
that was very deeply rooted in my root in, 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 in the here and now. And that was where I believe I was being transitioned to return back to my earthly incarnation. That, that now after that experience is that now I'm being returned back to my body. I was still alive. So I was being able to return back to my body. If my body was no longer here, I would imagine I would be, have a new birth at some point, either right away or, or, or what have you. But, um, but so, um, so I was going, I was in the town that I live in. I live in a town, Kings Park. It's right on the, on the Atlantic shore of uh, the United States. And, um, and uh, we live in a very small town and everybody's very close. Uh, you know, type of town, if you lose your wallet, it's in your mailbox before you get home and all your money's in it. Or, or you get sick on Friday night, they're having a pancake breakfast on Sunday morning to make breakfast for you, you know, to raise money for you. you know, I, I live in that kind of town, it's a very close town. And so we all go to what we call the bluff and we overlook and we look at the Atlantic Ocean at the end of the day. Some people drink coffee, other people drink out of red Solo cups, you know, stuff other than coffee. And <laughs> they watch the sunset together. And that's the way my very rooted in my life. And so in this place, I was at that place, uh, uh, the bluff. And I would sit there with my two old friends, Joey and Johnny. They were from town. Uh, They've been friends from me a long time. They were both in their 80s. And we'd sit there together and we'd watch the sunset. And this happened many, 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 many times. I couldn't count how many times. And then one day, day I use loosely, but, 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 but one, one time we're going through this, I came to the realization, this is the first time that I ever realized something was up, that both Joey and Johnny are dead. They died earlier that year. And I, I didn't, I knew they couldn't be here. And then, so why was I here? All of a sudden, like everything changed. It was like a like a lucidity moment that up until this point, even though a lot of crazy things had happened, it just didn't, I don't know why it didn't occur to me that I was someplace else. So many crazy yeah. things happened and that I just didn't know why. And then so, but I felt like I wanted to ask them why they were there. But I felt like somehow, like up until this point, it was so blissful. I felt like if I asked them, it would kind of be like breaking the rules or something and and the bliss will go away. I just... I, I just don't know why, but, but, but eventually I felt like this energy rising and rising. If I didn't ask them this time, I would never get a chance to ask them again. It was now or never. And so finally I asked them in the way that, that you communicate there. And I asked them why they were here. And they, were, and they said they were here to make sure that I was okay. Mm -hmm. And that like really settled with me for a while because that I didn't know anything was wrong. I felt fine. I was in my hospital bed, but in this place, I was fine. There's nothing wrong with me. And then as we watched the sunset, the sun got brighter and brighter and brighter. It didn't set. When I opened my eyes, I was in my hospital bed and my mom and my sister were sitting over me. And that was when wow. I returned back to, to the earth. But it wasn't until later on, I realized what Joey and Johnny meant by here to take care of, to make sure I'm okay. Is that Joey, he had a broken neck. You know, he, as a young kid, he broke his neck and he lived his whole life walking around like Frankenstein because he had his neck seared and everything. Oh, great fella, lots of humor. And John, he had diabetes and his leg was all infected and he died of an infection in his leg. And I had a back injury. Joey had a back injury. Johnny had his leg. I had all those things with my leg. They were my spirit guys. They're 
they're here with me every day. And, 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 but, 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 but they're not whispering in my ear saying, saying, Steve, don't do this or Steve, go Steve. No, I feel their energy. I feel the lessons that they've learned. And that's what gives me the energy. That's what they meant. They're my spirit guides. And that's, and that's what I learned at that last place. Wow. You know, the way you said it before, they're my spirit guides, but it sounded like you said guys, which I thought was really cute. <laughs> that's true. My spirit guys. Hey. guys. Spirit guys. <laughs> I thought that was really cute. Yeah. So you met, so in that third place, you met some chums that are like helping you. That's yeah. so nice. It's beautiful. And I, uh, you know, it, it is wonderful because that I, I touched, you know, I, I reached out to the families and uh, mm. because they're, they're my friends. And so, and it is beautiful because that, uh, you know, I believe in many ways sharing that experience perhaps brought them peace as well. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, you told them that you were hanging out with them on the other side. <laughs> and Carrie, the way you put it, it's very similar to the way I put it. <laughs> hanging out. You know, I had an, I know, you know, as I was reading your book and, and, and it's like it wasn't to that third place that you realised that you're dead. You, you kind of were having all these crazy experiences and you still didn't realise that you were dead. You just thought, I'm just me having crazy experiences. I remember having a dream, a friend of mine died at 40 and uh, I can't remember how much longer after, it might've been weeks, it might've been months, it might've been a year or so. But anyway, I was hanging out with her in a dream and we were chatting, blah, 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 as we did. I'd known her since she was a baby. And then I looked at her and I went, now hang on, I can't be talking to you, you're dead. <laughs> I had this realization. So I didn't know in that time that I wasn't in my body, you know. So I, I know what that feels like. You, you hear it. You yeah. Hear it. And she said to me, I'm not dead. I'm here talking to you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I went to your funeral. I sat next to your sister and I cried. God, did I cry. You're definitely dead. And she said, I'm not dead. And it was so funny. We had this argument as we did in life. We were like, we were like husband and wife. We were friends. Oh. We used to bicker and argue. And so we're arguing. You're dead. I'm not dead. You're dead. I'm not dead. It was so funny. <laughs> oh, I feel it. I do. And, and, and I feel that from you, that, that overall personality with a dear girlfriend. That's beautiful. <laughs> Okay. All right. So I'll stop yakking because there's so much more to this story. So much more. Where do I come in? You know, in your book, um, Kathy shares her experiences of the events that happened from her perspective, which is beautiful. She's not here to tell them. So you'll just have to read the book. And because uh, you're, you're in a coma and then she's experienced, you know, your relationship. But there was a pivotal point that you, uh, we haven't discussed yet. You you met a soul on the other side that you recognized. Do you want to talk about that? Yes, I would love to, because this is very important to these. Well, I say that about everything. So, so dis yeah. <laughs> disregard that last one. But, but when I was being tested, there was this lady that was in the room and, uh, and she just prayed. And, and all I felt was her prayers. And I wasn't sure, like everyone had a purpose there, but she didn't have a purpose. All she did was sit there and pray. And anytime I looked at her, I felt like this intense love, this, this energy that, that it was distracting. It was, but it was compelling. I just, you know, in a lot of ways, um, I, I, there, there, there was a lot to it. And, um, and I felt it. And it wasn't until 
I woke up in my hospital bed that I could see spirit and I realized who it was. It was a dear friend of mine, Kathy, my co-mom, you know, in, in local things. And, and I, I could see and I could feel her spirit. So all I wanted to do was to reach out to her and tell her that I saw she was there. I mean, like, did she know she was there? You know, it must've been her higher self. And as soon as I got my phone, I texted her and I said that uh, I'm okay. And that I heard your prayers. And, uh, and, uh, and she told me that, that she was praying and she was praying the St. Jude. And, uh, and that was when I realized that prayer works. And, and I, I know to a lot of people that that's, oh, of course it works. Kathy's like, duh, <laughs> but, 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 but no, no, what, what, what I mean is that I always thought of prayer like, 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 like okay, say three Hail Marys and then, okay, say the Hail Marys, okay, you're okay. You know, you know what, what you're gonna, I'm gonna make your dream come true. It's not like that. At least that's not the way I felt it where I was. It was that I didn't even hear the prayer that she was saying. It was that I felt the energy. I felt the love and that love and that energy, which is, which is what gave me the strength to keep on going. It was like that there wasn't an intermediary between me and Kathy. It wasn't, it was directly from me to Kathy that she was sending me her love and her energy. And part of the reason I think while I was in that hospital bed, almost dying, it was part of that energy that she was sending me that was giving me that energy to keep on keeping on in the physical sense. So I could return to my body and return to what I was working on here on earth and continue to learn. And, and not only was, was, was it that the prayer was that energy that I also realized that communication is possible between spirit and between, and between incarnation. And it's two way through prayer and through signs and synchronicities through dreams. There are so many different ways that you could communicate and that communication is possible and it is, it's beautiful and it just brings so much to life. Yeah, in her part of the story, she says that, you know, she gives her perspective of hearing about you being in a coma and just being so worried and, and praying and praying and praying. And I think she says she prays to St. Jude and St. Therese. And, um, and yeah, the first thing you did when you kind of woke up and were here and is text her and say, thanks for the prayers. She was like, oh, my God, you heard me. And then she says um, that when you get together physically, uh, you know, you're talking to other people and other things. And it was quite some time before you got, you know, you had that discussion about, you heard me, you heard me. Do, do you want to talk about that discussion? I think that you might have been out of the hospital by then. Yeah, what it, what it, what it happened is at first I talked to her a little bit about it. But, but after that, I was so caught up in my rehabilitation. Yeah. I couldn't walk. I was, you know, I was kind of a I would say definitely an overweight biker at the time, but but I was strong because I lifted weights. I and now I was. Kathy says I look like a plucked chicken. You know, I, was, <laughs> I lost a lot of weight and I, I didn't look like myself. No way. Yeah. And so uh, and so Kathy was was helping me get better and things were were going pretty well for for a while there. And then um, then my son my my son died. He died of a drug overdose and uh, and. That was that it, it was just such an awful thing as everyone could, could identify with. And for a long time, as I went to this very deep funk, as I kept on blaming myself, thinking like, like, 
especially the circumstances under which I lost him, is that what did I do wrong as a parent? You know, I tried so hard. I was on the PTA. I was I was elected member of the school board. I was just so involved in their lives between I was a stay at home dad as I worked from the home. And I was like, what did I do wrong? You know, I like to drink beer and ride my Harley and do things like, you know, was I a bad influence? Like all these things, but things I just dwelled my, my mind on and I just couldn't get it off. I just couldn't shake it. It's just it was just awful. And, and what's more is I lost my son because anytime is I thought about my son, I didn't think about all the wonderful things we had. I just thought about, about the circumstances under which losing him and just the loss and no, no grandchildren and all these things. And, and, and Kathy, she never pushed me, but one day we were walking in the woods and she said to me, did Nick ever try to contact you? And I thought this lady was out of her mind. This is a person who I loved. Uh, you know, we, we were very good friends. I mean, now we, we're, we're, we're a lot more than friends, but at that time we were just very, very good friends. You know, the way I, all my friends were, were, were moms. I was Mr. Mom, I was class mom. And so Kathy was one of my mom friends. And, uh, and so um, I just thought she was nuts. I thought I knew her well. But, but next things I know is that she's, she's starting to drag me around to, uh, to all the trails that we hike on. And she's starting to put St. Teresa, Teresa statues down and, uh, and leaving a pen with rocks and people would leave prayers on it. And we would go and we'd maintain all these sites and we'd say a prayer each time. And I felt... I felt like it was healing in many ways for me, not because of the St. Teresa things, but because that all the people were leaving notes about loved ones and about prayers in which they wanted. It was kind of like the message in the bottle song, like, like Sting does, is that, is that you realize that you're not alone in this world, that, that there are other people who, who have these trials and tribulations and heartbreaks and still find a way to go on. And so that was a very healing experience for me. But, but, but there were a series of different things that happened that, uh, that uh, my son was reaching out to me through, through different signs and synchronicities. And then finally, my cousin went to a psychic and the psychic said to her that, that Nick is reaching out to you and he has a synchronicity with St. Teresa. And that just so happens we were making all these St. Teresa shrines. <laughs> and it wasn't until my, my, my cousin gave us a... a a prayer card from St. Teresa that we looked on the back of the prayer card and it gave uh, St. Teresa's birthday. St. Teresa's birthday was the same birthday as my son's. And then it said her canonization day. Her canonization day that, that she became a saint was the same day that my son died. Mm. I thought to myself, Kathy's been pushing me on this for so long. Like, how did this happen? Really, Stevie, the computer guy, you know, who had this experience, who wrote the whole experience off to maybe the drugs they gave me to, to keep me out, or maybe it was a dream or something that I really believe this, but maybe Kathy was saying that, no, it wasn't a dream. You really experienced that and see St. Teresa's reaching out and showing you that there are signs and synchronicities between her and Nick, that there is this communication and that Nick is in that place, that place between here and there where it's so blissful. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until that point that I realized it wasn't like a one epiphany. It was over a series of time mm -hmm. that I began to realize that Nick is in that place. 
and he is feeling all the beautiful things that I'm feeling. And, and I mean, he's not coming back now, but, but, but he will, we will meet again. We'll meet in our higher selves where we see our true beauty in the same way that I saw my higher selves, our higher selves are going to meet again. And for the first time in a long time, I got my son back because that now all that sadness was gone about him leaving. All of a sudden, now I remembered all of the happy times we had mm. by coming to that realization that, gosh, I wish he was here and I think about him every day, but to know that he's happy and in spirit and that we're going to be together, that all of a sudden I released all that hatred and sadness and animosity and self-loathing and everything else that I got my son back. And that's the thing I wanna say to people is that you gotta let it go. Let it go. When, when it's your time, don't rush it. You have to go through the grief, but it's beautiful. There is, your loved one is in a beautiful place and you're gonna be together and they're excited and they're engaged and they're feeling things, they're feeling love and they're learning and growing. And I think that's the message is that, is that they are, they are, they love you, but they want you to be happy. And once you're happy, they'll be able to connect to you. Absolutely. And that's what I learned. You know, what was, is amazing about this story, Steve, is that I think that many people think that when you've had an experience such as yours, like an NDE or a spiritually transformative experience, that now you're all love and light, you know everything. But you, as you said, came back. So your son died about a year after your experience and you came back and you didn't even believe it was real for a long time. You thought it was just some crazy dream. And, um, and as you healed both physically and emotionally, um, it started coming back more and more and more. And then you hit this experience of your son exiting the matrix or leaving his body. And now you're in a whole world of pain all over again. And so you're reaching for those lessons that you had on, on that, in that side. And, and that's when the work really started to begin really like started to sink in didn't it all that you learned was put to the test when when um what was what's your son's name nicholas nicholas when nicholas exited the nicholas matrix nicholas nicholas amadeus yes that's a great name uh yeah and the stubbornness what what was amazing to me that again people think that because you've had an nde you're all love and light. You're not, you don't have your human foibles, but <laughs> what absolutely and was frustrated me, well, not frustrated me, but as I was reading Kathy's frustration, that here's <laughs> this man who's had this amazing NDE and she's trying to tell you things like you can communicate with spirit and, this, you know, just simple spiritual stuff and you're totally the heels dug in that is bs that is crap don't give me that spiritual crap so this is what was so amazing you've had this spiritual experience and yet you couldn't listen to what kathy had to say about she said oh you know i've spoken to my mom after she died and had a beautiful experience and you just dug your heels in and this this is something that's coming up with a lot of people around me at the moment this human stubbornness not to listen and not to change. It doesn't matter how, and I have a lot of really highly evolved friends, angel painters and galactic light language, you know, spiritual people that have been on the path for a long time. And yet this stubbornness kicks in and they refuse to change their sort of limited ways. And I'm just watching that. I'm watching it around me and then I'm listening to it in your story last night. What? It's the ego. It's the ego. 
Okay. Yeah, I found that uh, over over a long period of time, there were two people inside of me. There was yeah. this spirit, but but then there was this ego that was made uh, so rooted in my reactive mind that that was all of the difficult circumstances that I had in my reaction to them when they happened, not reevaluated. So so there was all this BS that surrounded me and my <laughs> perceptions, and and I had to protect it. Because that, and it wasn't a conscious thing, is that in so many ways, is that your ego is developed by all of your aberrations in life, and it creates a like almost a personality within your personality. Absolutely. You know, the bigger your is, you are, the smaller your ego is. There's only so much room. The bigger your ego is, the smaller your spirit is, at least in the physical manifestation while you're here. And and it, that was the ego, is that, is that it wasn't until, you know, when I was in that other place that that I start to get it back and I start to understand what had happened to me and the way the ego is and that that stubbornness was the ego protecting who I was because if yes. I accepted the spirit that means a part of that ego is gone and yes. good, riddance, good riddance and but, it fights and it fights yeah. it fights for its survival it fights for its survival yeah, yeah. and there's still plenty left here I'm working on it but, <laughs> but, but and that's why and that's why I approach every day with, with with the realization if I can't look back and say what a jerk I was six months ago you know what am I doing you know you know you're really that ego that's the prime course you got to spend a lot of time working on find out those things that are causing you to behave in a negative way and and stop them out, come to terms with them, find the wisdom in there. Once you find it, don't forget about them because that, that's not learning. You, yeah. you know, put away those blockages, find the meaning of them. And wow, the world's a different place. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's what I teach. It's the way I live my life. When I hit a negative emotion, I know that it's pointing to a belief that I'm holding and holding strong to. And I just explore it, like what is generating this, you know, anger or frustration or sadness? There's something that I'm holding on to that is, 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 is talking to me and I can release it. And I think that, you know, when we resist the ego, that's when it gets louder. I was a part of a spiritual community for many years and the founders of the community were always laying their ego at the foot of the guru. They were always trying to resist their ego. And what I found is the more they tried to get rid of their ego, the louder it got. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have to work with the ego and love it for what it does for us as humans and not try and rid ourselves of it, but love it. Um, but just don't let it control us or dominate us, you know, because I don't think we're ever going to get rid of our egos. Well, I think I, I think what, what what you're saying is basically one of the final lessons that, that I learned is that is that the meaning for life is to learn how to love and learn how to be loved and loving you for who you are and who other people are. And so that that's part, I think, what, what, what at least what you're saying means to me about the ego. The ego is part of you. You have to love it and love everybody and learn how to love and be the type of person who can be loved. And that, and that in order for you to grow as a spirit is to very mindfully examine those parts of you that, is, that manifest in the ego and learn to think it, think it, think it away, think it as part of you, like to learn those lessons. The ego, are un, the whole ego is constructed of unlearned lessons, unresolved lessons. And so that is one big chunk of 
spirituality and ascension right there as you learn those lessons and that ego becomes part of you, but it's no longer as a, as a, manif a negative manifestation, it's part of your wisdom. I think, I think that's what I get out of what you're saying. Yeah, I love that. Repeat that again. The ego is part of you to learn lessons. Yeah. You have those lessons to learn yeah. because they're unresolved. That's what yeah. creates the personality of the ego. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was going to say something else and I've just lost it. Um, okay, I I'd written down a couple of things here, but I think we've covered it. You met your higher self, had a job in spirit. Let's hear more about that. I think we did. Souls on earth are always learning from their higher selves. Uh, if a soul is eternal, I think we've covered the things that I jotted down. Um, wow, there's so much more to this story. Um, we'll, we won't go through all of it uh, because it's all in the book. And, um, you know, your transformation from bad biker dude to satnam, you know, spiritual, wearing white all the time is quite an amazing transformation. And I think that you had to let go of some of that stubbornness for, in order for that to happen. Otherwise you would have been bar humbugging all this stuff that came into your life as, as silly hippie crap. And, 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 Kathy, and Kathy's a toughie. She punches like a man. Don't mess with her. You know, you know, you know, she, she really has, um, you know, she was very persistent, but, but she walked that line between like, like I say, she's, part Mother Teresa and part Sergeant Slaughter, you know, and she walks the, 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 the line. She's both of those things. And it was, if she would have been in my face about it, I would have rebelled against it. She, she, she would probe and push and then take a step back and probe and push and take a step back. And she did well, well, it worked. That's yeah. why I love her. Yeah. And the story of your romance or getting together is, is really endearing too, is really beautiful. Uh, and it's amazing that you were in each other's lives for so long as these best buds, um, but didn't have an inkling that there would be more than just like you said, what did you call her? A, a school mom or something? Soccer mom? I, 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 I know. I used to call her St. Kathy. St. <laughs> Kathy. <laughs> Well, whenever I refer to, to my family and friends, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, St. Kathy and I went for a hike. You know, she's really quite a, um, psychic and, and amazingly so. And she speaks about that in the book. Uh, have you developed more of your psychic experiences, like exper um, experiences, abilities to speak to spirit or contact your higher self? Like, where are you at with that now? Well, it's part of my life. Like, like it's not, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it's not. It's like part of my, my, my life, I see and I feel things. And so they're not like wow moments to me. Like, like at first, like when I would see signs is that I'd be like, wow, that's a sign. But, but, but now once I'm open to signs, I see them all the time. So now I spend all my time thinking about what does that sign mean? What is it trying to tell me? And like, where's the wisdom in it? And the more that I open myself up to those signs, the more I see them. And I could feel energy in people, you know, like I could see the spirit. And I use that all the time to like, I could tell when, when people are sad or happy, and, but, but, but without seeing that by, by feeling their energy. Some people it's easier to read than others. So, so there are aspects of it that is with me, but all of this is stuff that we all have. It was just like, you have to open your eyes to it. And once you start working down the path, it's like a language. You learn the early languages. And first I learned to notice signs. That was the first step of learning languages. And then once I started to learn the signs, I started to look for 
the meaning of the side, not the wow, like, oh, wow, communication's happening, but what's the meaning? I think in the book, I tell the story about this dog, Jas uh, this dog, um, Violet, and that, uh, and that Kathy was looking for Violet beach glass on the beach. She couldn't find it, but we met this lady with this dog, Violet. It just sounds so strange because it was a Dalmatian. And then when we were walking away, I said to Kathy, Kathy, that's your sign. You were looking for Violet beach glass, but you found a dog, Violet. Why did that happen? And she was like, oh, it happens. I said, no, Kathy, that means something. And it wasn't until later that we saw her a few weeks later and she had the dog and we remembered her. And then we told her a little bit about the story. And it was then she told us about how she lost her son. Right. Under, under similar circumstances. And that's what the sign was doing. It was bringing us together to talk. Like how, you know, you, you could reason anything away, but how do you meet a dog named Violet? How do you meet a lady who has that dog, who has a son and a lady who's, who feels the pain as everyone in that situation feels the pain, that we're brought together to help each other. That's the way the universe works. And that's the way spirit manifests itself in my life today, because I, I see it and I feel it, but it's not magic and everybody has it. You just Absolutely. Have, to have you had chats with Nicholas since he's uh, moved to a new address on the other side? No, not in that way. I, just hasn't, I just, but, but I really haven't looked for it in the sense like I feel his presence. It's like people often look for those things like because they want the confirmation or the reassurance. And I don't feel it. I feel, I feel him and I feel other things with me. They're always with me, not in a way like, hi, how are you doing? But it's kind of like when I was in that place, it was like a surrounding, like an energy that surrounds us that you feel the presence of all of these things. It's, it's there. It's with me every day. It's not like I'm checking in to say hello. It, I feel it all the time. So, so, so no, it's not like we have conversations or, or, and I try to avoid situations where a psychic may say, oh, your son's trying to, I, I have my personal relationship with my son and his energy that doesn't require an intermediary. And I know people mean well, and I, I, and I love, I go to psychics all the time because it's, it's part of a spiritual journey. But, but really, I don't, there isn't an intermediary between me and my son. I feel the energy. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, he's a master soul. You know, when you met your higher self, as you called it, like the other you that, that was teaching or instructing on the other side, um, I suppose I was really, when I was listening to that last night, I was talk, chatting with my mom about that. And I'm like, higher self? And they said, well, another aspect that appears higher because it's more knowledgeable. So higher self would be a label that you could give that. And I went, okay. Because I think that, you know, we give things labels and then we get fixated on what that means and everyone has a different idea and uh, it's just human mind, right? Um, but uh, I had this guy on the show, I don't know, a couple of years ago whose son died and he wrote a book because his son was channeling through him called Already There. And one of the revelations of the book is, um, you know, we're already, we're not dead or alive. We're always in heaven or on that place. And then there is an aspect of us or our consciousness flows through this physical body that has this physical experience. But we're always there. We're already there. We're not sort of here or there. And I think that you meeting your higher self or this other aspect of you that it was the teacher is that part of you that is already in heaven. Um, 
just lined up with that concept of we're, we're, we're dead all the time. We're just flowing energy through a, a, a physical lifetime experience, but we're not here or there. We're in both places simultaneously. And, uh, and there are many levels, which I won't go into. Um, Cause I think. Quick thing about that, if that's okay, because yes. that, that, that's really important. And, and the way you explain it, it really does capture the essence in a way that, uh, that uh, really does is that, and, and you're right. When I say my higher self, yeah, you're right. There has to be a different word for it, you know, because when people um, look at it, they look at it perhaps like a highly evolved self or something different. And and really, what the feeling that I got, and then and since then, is that is that your spirit is always been, and so your spirit is always in spirit, and not your whole spirit comes down. Just part of your spirit, a beautiful part of your spirit, to enjoy this human incarnation but there's a part of you which is always in spirit. Now, your spirit is has all of your lessons. It knows all those lessons, but it doesn't know all that is. And that's why it's having human incarnations. And so if you came down, and I use the term down once again, it has nothing to do, it just the way we talk. Here, is, is that came once here. In, yeah, once you come into human incarnation, is that, is that you're, if you're here to it, you can't have all of your awareness from your higher self because you won't make a lot of the mistakes that are necessary to learn. Like, right. like, like you're, you're too rooted in spirit. You really need to be separated. You have many things, many of the lessons that, that you've learned. I think people will call it intuition or instinct. Those are many of the lessons that, that, that you've learned, but, but, but you have to be free to have that free will to make those mistakes. So, so yes, that higher self is always in spirit. You are just part of your higher self. So when I say when I'm going to see my son again in our higher selves, I'm not just going to see my son as the part that was my son. I'm going to see his complete spirit as he will see mine. And then all things will make even more sense. And it'll be beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. You know, a friend of mine, another healer, energy healer, and I, um, a few years ago when I lived in a different place of Sydney, we used to, we used to play together and practice energy healing and talk to spirit and stuff. And I remember we were discussing the amount of energy we carry, the amount of consciousness we carry in the human form and does it differ throughout our lives. And what I, what we discovered during this session we were doing together was that um, he was talking to his higher self for a better word. Um, he discovered that when he was a teenager, he had less of a percentage of consciousness, spirit, energy flowing through his physical mind, body, spirit complex than he did at other times in his life. And it was almost like children had more, you know, if you think about it, they're so accepting, they're so loving. And then you hit that teenage and sort of less of you comes to be with you in this world. And then, and then, and just like you said, Steve, it's like that has to happen in order to, get it wrong in order to learn, you know, like, yeah. And what does your spirit go on hiatus when, when you have a physical incarnation? Like, <laughs> no, no, it's always in spirit. And that's why when I was in the other places that it wasn't Kathy that was there. It was her higher self, her higher self and my higher self have this connection. It goes beyond this world. And that was what I was texting to her from the hospital bed is that I was telling her that, that we have a connection that goes beyond this world. That was why I had to reach out to her. It wasn't that that she was 
praying, although that was the energy. That was what gave me the wisdom. But, but the reason why I had to tell her is I heard her prayers, but I wanted her to know that our higher selves have a connection that goes beyond this world. And that was the important thing I wanted to tell her. Yeah, and I think you got the message across. <laughs> so you guys moved to a beautiful place. Where are you, Long, Long Island? Yes, Long Island. It's a, we have this old house. It's an old log cabin. And, and you saw all my crystals all over the place. We just have, it's like a crystal palace. Uh, the only reason why we don't have more crystals is because there's still more days to go shopping. You know, she, we, we just go shopping all the time for, for, for crystals. And, uh, you know, it's a, we're going to have to get an extension on the house. No, but it's just such beautiful energy. We, we love our, our house. It's a, but uh, the, the climate is a little tough. We, we, at some point, maybe we might have to get something, uh, you know, a, a winter house or something at some point in the future. Oh, okay. but, but, but we live on the seashore. We go hiking on the beach every day and we do this beautiful walking meditation together where we connect through the root to, the, to our energy that all around us and to this universe through the crown. And we just feel so connected walking on the water. It's just, you know, we're, we're, we're very happy. There's a lot of challenges out here with all the health crisis and, and all the craziness that's going on in the world. And so we just try to live life you know, control the things we can control, send out positive energy and learn how to love and be loved. And yeah. Kathy's practice for me. Yeah. Uh, you two have a couple of daughters that are the same age. How old are they now? Yeah, they're 22 and they're both in college. Uh, they're both entering the medical field. Uh, my oh. daughter's going on for a PhD in, uh, in pharmacy and uh, Kathy's daughter's going on to PhD in uh, occupational therapy. Wow. And how old was Nick when he uh, moved? He was 20 when he moved to a new address. And that happened, what, about three years ago? Four years ago. Four years ago. Okay, because it was five years ago that you had the accident. Um, Do you find that your work, because I know that you talk about in the book, um, Kathy was always someone like, I want to make a difference. I want to do more. I want to do more. And you were, you know, in this sort of mind that you used to have. I'd never thought about that before. Yeah, maybe we can make a difference. Do you find that during this year, 2020, that you've kind of ramped up the work and you're sort of putting more love and light out there? Well, in, in a lot of ways, and I hate to use this analogy, but, but it's very effective, is that I feel we're doing battle, is that by spread battle, where we're doing battle, we're, we're fighting a fight. And uh, because that there is all this, we feel this negative energy between like all these things with, uh, with like the sex, uh, the, 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 the trafficking of humans and, and other things. And we feel this energy and we want to, we want to create a counterbalance to that. We want to put this beautiful energy out there and, and fight it by, by, by living the type of life, by spreading the love and sharing the energy. Yes, yes, it, it is something we feel so much every day and it is part of ourselves and Kathy did bring that about because for a long time I was soured on it I was uh, I was elected I was an elected local official I had my own business um, and I was just so involved with all this civic work and saving uh, you know restoring waterways and cleaning up toxic waste dumps I was the toxic warrior it was something I worked so hard at and and over the years I kind of I kind of lost the passion for that. And it wasn't until I had this experience that 
that Kathy really reignited that passion to save the world. And you really can, because I almost thought it was a futile effort, but no, no, now's our chance to rise with all this stuff that's going on. If you're a spiritual person, show that ethics and spirituality have a place in this world. It's not a sacrifice, it's an asset. Ethics and the spirit is an asset. You'll find it, you'll manifest, um, it's a law of attraction. Be an ethical person, be a spiritual person. You'll attract that in your life. Be a person of thought, but be a person of action. And that's what Kathy rekindled in me, is that desire to really make a difference in this world. And, uh, mm. and gosh, I wake up every day and that's next to being happy that Kathy's besides me. That's, that gives me a fire to get going every day. <laughs> that's so sweet you know one of the things i'm seeing steve is a lot of people putting out a lot of stuff uh talking about fighting evil in this world we've got to fight this evil fight this evil there's so much evil and um i think the devil the devil or evil has never had so much um attention as it has now uh, and but one thing i know from source is that there is no duality in source and just like you've explained so eloquently and so beautifully and in such detail that a lot of the crap that happens in our world happens for a good reason good purpose and that instead of fighting the evil and saying no you know to see the gifts and the lessons in it um, that all of it comes from one source there is no source of evil there is only one source uh, what do you want to say about that? Well, I feel it. And, and what I mean by that is that is that is you create a vibration, you create an energy, and it goes out into the world. And just as you know, those who do negative things, they put negative energy. And I use the word fight, you know, just 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 as a shortcut uh, way of expressing it, but it's not a fight. It's more like a balance, balance. a counterbalance. Yes. Yes, it's like I often use an analogy. It's like it's like the light is the light is stronger. It is. It, you just have to work a little harder at it. If a room is dark, all you have to do is turn on the light, and now it's light. Yeah. If, it, if the room is light, you add as much dark to it as you can. It's still light. Light is, and that's a beautiful metaphor for for what life and light is. It it truly is. And non-duality, when when it comes to the spirit and the source and the creator, that's something that's very special to me. And I do, I've been spending a lot of time, you know, it's very synchronistic that you should mention that to me because it's something that I've been putting a lot of thought into lately as part of my meditation. When I meditate, I meditate to clear my mind. Once I've cleared my mind and I'm in that state, uh, I'll often have a contemplative meditation where I'm thinking about something and new thoughts come into my mind. And the non-duality, is that I began to think that everything in life is made of something else. It is, even when explaining the story about there's a physical reasoning and there's a spiritual reasoning, even if you take something as simple as a table, a table's made of something else, and a table is a form, and then you keep on going deeper and deeper, and the, the, the table's made of wood, the wood is made of cells, the cells are made of atoms, and you keep on going down, everything's made of something else. But eventually, you'll get to that point where, where nothing is made of, there's no duality. You are, you are at the source. And, and it's understanding that for yourself 
which I've been working on so much lately. And working is different. I used to clean the bathrooms in the psychiatric center. That's work. This is not work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not work. This is, this is a beautiful ascension that I spent so much time meditating and contemplating on this, is what does that duality mean? When you get to that point where there is, where this is it, there isn't any smaller part of this, there's no d- duality, what does that look like? What does that feel? Where is the wisdom? What is there? And that's what, I, what very much excites me right now. Yeah. I think that's something that we, is so important that we all have to remember. You know, whether you're talking about evil reptilians that are controlling the world, I have a group called the Awaken Empowerment Network group on Facebook, and someone posted a video, which I had a quick look at this morning, and it's about awakening. We have to awaken to all these um, evil aliens that are controlling humanity. And I was thinking to myself, this narrative, this narrative, awaken to feeling like you're a victim controlled by ETs that don't even live on. It's not a, an empowering narrative. You know, it is just not. We have to awaken to our own power to that we can overcome any perceived evil or wrongdoing or negative emotion or drama that we have that connection to that one infinite creator which is that source of pure positive energy and that's what we're awakening to not the fact that we're being controlled by the cabal or evil aliens or whatever narrative people are putting out there and the light is stronger pardon yeah. the light is stronger and i use the term stronger it really doesn't carry it but but the light is the, the light is all of it it's all of it it's you all know? of it yeah so, you have control as long as you have one last breath in your body for for your human incarnation you have the ability to to make a difference to 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 evolve yourself evolve with those people around you to make a difference in in the universal consciousness the all that is yeah regardless of where your situation is yeah it's worth the fight it's worth the journey and look for the light in everything in your the politician that you hate or the cabal that you hate or the you know perceived bad spirit or evil alien or whatever narrative you're buying into look for the light because the light lives in all of it what would you like to end with it's been such a joy what's your final message to our audience thank you thank you Uh, a couple of things is that is that if, if there's one thing you could take with you is that life is good and people are good even when very sad things happen and keep that in mind because that as part of your life review to have those terrible things that 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 happen and to experience that soul growth growth don't let it happen when it happens but find a way to find the wisdom in it you know it, it really is is important and then the other really important thing is that is that to realize there is a beautiful place but here is a beautiful place too. It all starts with yourself. So often your prison bars are of your own construction and really try to learn and grow from it. No matter what, there is happiness out there. At times in your life, you may not feel it, but just put one foot in front of the other. You, you really can make a difference in the world. And those are the two, two main points that I want to, uh, to communicate. And then I just want to tell people about the book a little bit is that, uh, is that it, if it's okay, is that our book is available on Amazon. It's called The Place Between Here and There. And I think Karen really, really framed it up perfectly is because that it's a love story. It's about the spirit. It's about the frustration of stubbornness. It's about real people in the real world, not yogis living on a mountain. You'll <laughs> laugh in the book. You'll cry in the book. It's all of those things. And, uh, 
And then I and then like like you had mentioned, we have an audio book, we have a Kindle version of it, and uh, and now we have a Spanish version. It just came out with wow. the Spanish version cool. here in the United States. Is that is that so many of our people now speak Spanish? So we want to reach out to as many people as possible. But the book isn't the meaning of all of this. The book is just one of the vehicles. That's why this podcast is so important, you know, because that how do we get the message out there? It's through the, uh, the book. It's through the audio. It's through the podcast. It's through our workshops. We never charge anything. At least we haven't yet charged anything for our workshops. Is that is that it's about reaching out. It's our workshops. It's our books. It's our it's our podcast. It's all of those those, those things. It's about the message, and uh, and and we just we're just glad to be a part of it. We're humbled by this experience, and uh, and the book's available on Amazon. On Amazon, uh, Amazon. I'll, I'll have it um, on my webpage too. I have an Amazon affiliate link. Rarely people use it. I should say lots of people use it. I should create a different reality, <laughs> but I always put the links on my webpage if people want to buy it through my affiliate link. It gives us a couple of cents, supports the show. That's your option. What not- message? It's not um, important, but where do you do your workshops, Steve? Well, we right now, uh, now that we're going through this health crisis, it is a challenge. Mm. So, so what we often, what we've been focusing on now, because our community in a lot of ways is under is under stress because that mm. so many of the yoga studios and other yep. spiritual centers are closing down, and yep. so. And, and so when we're allowed to do it, what, what we did is that we used to have this long, uh, beautiful um, uh, workshop, but, but now what, what we're doing, is we're going into crystal stores and okay. uh, they often have a room. And so we'll hold small sessions of like six people in, we'll have four sessions a day and, wow. uh, and we'll do a book session, an hour each session. And that way we get people coming into the store and being part of our spirit and then meeting other people from the community, perhaps purchasing something in the store to help, help keep the mission going. Yeah, and so, yeah. uh, so right, right now, that's what we're doing is that we're, we're trying to go to all the local stores. We're not traveling yet, but, but on Long Island, we it's pretty large, few million people. And so, and, and so we're, we're trying to go to the places near us to work through the crystal stores, to do these small workshops, to, to do with the gongs and the and the reiki and the friction mallets and the crystals and everything. I tell you what, I, I wish I was. I wish I was over there. I'd totally come and have oh, a gong. You would love it in it your beautiful be. healing space. It looks so blissful. But oh. uh, have you contacted the Irons Association? Yes. Yeah, I just did. I, um, okay, I'm going to I'm going to introduce you to someone who runs the Irons here in Sydney. We were she started it, and we were doing yeah. physical meetings last year, and I was supporting her and going along most Sundays. Um, but um, COVID hit, and and but she put it all online, which meant that the you know we were looking for Australians or people within this community city. Um, which was not easy actually, um, but when it when it all went online, it meant that anyone could be a guest. So, I'll I'll introduce you to Nicole. Uh, oh, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, spread spread the love, spread the love, because it's um yeah, it's put it's pushed a lot of people online. But you're still diligent. You still want to get out there and shake people's hands and give them a hug and tell them and no. give them the book and do the physical thing. So, good on you. I, I do, and we're very careful. We take people's temperatures, and we and we adhere to all the whatever they say are the standards. We we do that, so we change it. But but there is that personal connection. I have, I 
we it's have beautiful. Where we're, we're spirit, we have to feel it. You know, the Zoom is great. It really is, and it brings new opportunities. But we have to feel it. It's so it's so enriching, especially. You know, one part about this journey is is people who've experienced spiritual people is beautiful, and we expected them to be interested in and and uh, MDE folks and. And we, we expected that, but what we didn't expect is people suffering from loss and grief. And that's really been a driving, we didn't expect this. And we're starting to get involved in these, these bereavement groups just to be part of it and to share the story and to learn and to share. And it's and yeah. so much that it's the bereavement that really, really gives us a charge in the morning. I, I So many people reach out to us and I just, I'm humbled and I'm so fortunate to be able to perhaps, you know, be part of that to share some absolutely. of Absolutely. Absolutely. It's absolutely huge. You've got your work cut out for you. I, I had a chat with my mob years ago, uh, frustrated, like, well, how can I make a difference? What, what, what causes the most amount of pain in the world? Like, how can I address that? God, this is like almost 20 years ago now. And they said, death causes the most pain in the world. People, you know, grieving the loss of a loved one or perceiving that they've lost a loved one. Um, and so that's when I wrote my first book called Return to Love. And then we put out a second book called Awakened by Death, just to show people, because all my friends, just like my friend Nikki, I told you about, all of them who died came to say, you know, I didn't die. There's no such thing as death. <laughs> and then she argues with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm arguing. Oh, you're dead. I'm not dead. You're dead. I'm not dead. Anyway, all of them had that you same Python. <laughs> it's hilarious. It was hilarious. It was so funny. Anyway, but yeah, there is no such thing as death. So it's, it's a huge message. And I honor you for, you know, addressing it. And thank you for the work that you do in the world. And thanks so much for sharing your story with us. It's just been amazing. Thank you. I have someone who wants to say hello. My 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 love just came home. Oh, so she's here. I, it, it made me unprofessional, but I just wanted, I wanted to say hello. To Bring her you. on. Hello. Uh, hey, so, have your ears been burning? We've been talking about you. <laughs> uh, they're always burning. Yes. <laughs> I hope it's good. Uh, it's but, been beautiful. We're just finishing up now. It's a shame that you weren't here. I should have booked it later so that you could have joined us. But, I'm sure um, he wasn't at a loss for words, right? He's never at a loss for words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so true. But, uh, but thank you so much for, for, for sharing this this time. I'm just, I, thank you. And, uh, and I hope maybe someday we could, I could give you a hug in person. Absolutely. We'll do it again. That would be nice. <laughs> wow. What a fabulous conversation with Steve. You know, Kathy, who had just come home at the end of it, um, we were chatting. We were chatting for about, I don't know, another half an hour after I turned off the recording, as you do, talking about all, oh, we went all sorts of places, talking about souls in animals and, uh, you know, contracts that we have with different souls to be here in this life and oh, all sorts of things. Ions, I'm going to introduce him to the Ions group and all sorts of things. And I, as, I, as always, I say, it's a shame I wasn't recording this because we just keep chatting but two beautiful people amazing gorgeous people who are doing beautiful things I tell you what that healing room does look just like such a sanctuary such a sanctuary and Kathy's just such a beautiful person too mm. anyway I think I'll get them back on the show I'm sure there's going to be lots more to talk about maybe next year uh, and uh, yeah as they're still evolving yeah connected to uh, Nicholas Steve's son, beautiful soul, 
lots more to come from him. So, um, yeah, it's amazing how our friends and family and even ourself or our higher self or our soul are teaching us from that side, are, are helping us, are helping us navigate this world, this, the density in this world. We're never alone. We have so much help. A team, even if that team is us, another aspect of us or our higher self, as Steve calls it, helping us navigate this world, helping us navigate the ego I had a session with Courtney Beck. I had her on the show recently, who's another amazing spiritual teacher. And, and she said, uh, I've been guided to give you a session. And the way she does it is she tunes into her guides and then just writes it down, sends you an email. Anyway, in the session, she said, I need to write another book and I need to write about, she said, you've been in this industry for so long. Uh, you need to write a, um, a book, a sort of a guidebook for the awakening or the evolving, you know, new old teachers, people that are awakening and saying, okay, how can I share my message and how can I help this world and, and um, talk about, you know, the experiences that you've had with all these teachers and the pitfalls. And I've been thinking about that, thinking, wow, what would I write? And the thing that I would write about the most is the pitfalls of the ego. Uh, that's the thing I see the most, um, how we can feel superior or inferior or just the pitfalls of the ego, how the ego can, we have these good intentions to, to love and spread the light. And then the ego kind of gets a hold of us and takes control. And as I said with Steve, we don't want to rid ourselves of the ego because it's all a part of being human, but we need to manage it <laughs> and not let it take control. Or at least when it's, when we're suffering through it, when we're believing our stressful thoughts and suffering with our anger or upset, to listen to the message that it's bringing us. Like, what are you showing me? What is this anger showing me? Why am I so upset? What belief is controlling me that I'm believing to be true that is not true? You know, like all negative emotion is pointing to a belief that we're believing to be true that is um, in that moment controlling how we're experiencing our life. And, you, you know, what belief is, am I believing to be true? And can I let go of this belief that I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, I'm um, whatever belief it is that, that's kind of got a grip on us. And uh, it happens to the best of us. You, you know, it happens to the best of us. Um, I don't know too many people on this earth as amazing and as spiritual and as guru and as they are even you know people have had near-death experiences as steve talked about even after an amazing experience he had while in a coma he still had to learn to integrate what he learned into his physical world um that we don't get tripped up by the ego i remember having a chat with prince after he died and um i had uh, lisa wettenheimer on the show and the two of us were yakking to prince after he died and she said that he is an aspect of saint germain who is a master soul that has come into physical life to teach many times and i said to him okay if you're a master soul and you're saint germain how did you cope with the ego while you were here on earth and and I'll never forget, he was like, oh, my God, that was my biggest challenge is to not get swept up by the ego, especially when you're a rock star and everyone reveres you. And it's like, oh, you are the greatest. You are the greatest. Not to kind of believe that you are better or different than anyone else. Uh, you know, the ego works in two ways. It separates us by feeling superior or inferior. And um, 
it is that part of us that gives us the illusion of separateness, separateness to what? Separateness to each other, separateness to love, separateness to source, separateness to all of it, you know, separateness to evil or slugs or bugs or snakes, or we were talking about that with Zoe. You know, we're one with all of it. It is There is only one source, and that is a source of pure positive energy that has manifested in a variety of different frequencies and bandwidths of energy and and we're not separate to any of it. We get to flow through it and experience all of it. And so the ego is set up to give us the illusion of separation. And it does it in a variety of ways, feeling superior or better than or feeling inferior or less than. We're one, we're one, we're one, we're one, non-duality. This is probably the biggest message I think that comes through the shows, uh, the message that I like to bring to remember that we are one. Yeah, and only love is real. Thanks again for watching and listening. And remember, if you want to buy the book through my affiliate link, uh, gives us a couple of cents. So, you know, I don't rely on it. So you can or can't, doesn't really matter. Uh, but they're all there with all the shows. I put an affiliate link on the website and the link is under in the description and the YouTube. I usually put it on the SoundCloud as well, which goes out to a whole lot of other audio podcasts. If you want to find it there or just go to my website, karenswain.com and put in the name of the people you want to listen to. And um, who's coming up? Oh, I've got Danielle Gibbons coming up in the Inner Sanctum in December, early December, 6th the 7th, Monday the 7th here in Sydney, Sunday the 6th in the afternoon from 1, I think, Pacific time and 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 Eastern time or is it the opposite? Anyway, so it's Sunday afternoon in the States and uh she's just beautiful check out the shows i had with um danielle i think i did one at the beginning of the year talking to her and mother she channels mother mary about the crisis that we've been going through in 2020 and the perspective that she had oh it's always such a mind expanding heart expanding enlightening joyous experience to be with danielle and mother not to say that she doesn't flow through all of us, this energy of Mother Mary. Uh, it's just that that's Danielle's thing, you know, that's that's the energy she brings to this world. And a um, couple of other people coming up uh, for the show and then I'm going to have a break and do some other work and um, I think I'm coming back probably February next year. I don't know. I might put a couple of people in in January. We'll wait and see. Uh, but I'll be away for a week over the 21st activation alignment so radio silence from me for that week <laughs> just before leading up to christmas no internet i'll be in the forest so it'll be beautiful so i uh, love you all and thanks again for watching and listening and sharing your comments let me know what you think of the beautiful steve and kathy bye for now <laughs>